experience a full mind, body, and spirit approach to living your best life. Learn how to achieve optimal health, wealth, and happiness. This is your journey to wellness and abundance. You are listening to Mind Over Matters with your host, Dr. Amy harris Nuon of the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness. Everyone, welcome to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy harris Nuon. As you know, I'm a certified integrative and interventional clinical psychologist with a postgraduate specialization in functional medicine. I'm also a certified wellness instructor, best-selling author and speaker, and the director for the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness located in Bloomingdale, Illinois. So the purpose of the show is to get you thinking about how powerful your mind is and what you can do right now to change your life for the better. So this show, Mind Over Matters, is going to challenge you to think differently. Think differently about how your physical health can be improved, the health of your relationships, be they work relationships or friendships or family relationships, your level of everyday happiness. Yes, you can direct and control this. And even your financial well-being, all of these areas can be dramatically improved by taking a more holistic and pragmatic approach to your life. So my goal is to educate and empower you to live a life by design, a life on purpose, and with passion, and of course, positive results. So welcome to the show. Welcome, uh, you know, all of you who are new listeners. Thank you again for those of you who have supported the show over the years. I really appreciate you. Can't do what I do without your support. So... I'm excited about this week's show um, because a lot of people, I think, are going to be able to relate to it. So I want to start by asking if you're someone that feels out, burned out rather by compassion fatigue, as it's sometimes referred to in the helping professions. You know, maybe you just feel stumped and not sure what to say when someone confides in you or shares something that feels emotionally heavy. Well, I've got good news for you. Functional medicine certified health counselor Jill Patton has totally taken care of us when it comes to learning how to navigate expressing compassion and empathy for others so that you don't get burned out. So on today's show, Jill Patton and I will help you rediscover empathy, as she says, because the truth is our ability to feel compassion for others actually helps us thrive when practiced in the context of good self-care and healthy boundaries. So I'll talk about how you were faring in this current age of disconnection, along with eight specific strategies to build your empathy skills, along with a bonus, how you can teach your children to be compassionate and empathetic as well. So I think the whole world could use a little bit more of that right now, don't you? So welcome to today's show. Empathy can be your superpower. Again, thanks to Jill Patton. I want to say that uh, if you don't already subscribe to Experience Life a Magazine, I'm going to invite you to do that. They take a great holistic viewpoint on everything health and wellness. So, you know, Jill has written for Experience Life for a while now, and I think she's done a great job helping us to understand empathy and how to put it in the context of healthy boundaries. So she starts by saying, we're born to understand each other. Empathy, the ability to recognize what another person is feeling and to even share that feeling and respond to it, is a survival skill. From early days, empathy has enabled homo sapiens to discern friend from foe by helping us interpret another's intent. It prompts mothers to nurture their slowly maturing offspring. It leads groups to cooperate and build communities based on shared vulnerabilities and needs. She says, quote, we developed larger eye whites than other primates so we could easily track one another's gaze and intricate facial muscles that allowed us to better express our emotions. Our brains developed to give us more precise understanding of each other's thoughts and feelings. When we see a smile, for example, our facial muscles respond in kind, if only slightly, giving us a visceral sense of what that smiling person feels. I should also add a smile is a very trusting nature or trusting expression, and it uh, connotes safety uh, when it's uh, sincere. Jill goes on to say, humans are not the only animals that experience empathy, but we may have the unique ability to choose it. That doesn't always mean we do, and I will say, now is a great time to learn how to be more compassionate and more empathic. We've never seen greater divisiveness in the world than we've seen as of late. 
Um, I will talk about the difference between sympathy and empathy. Uh, I think that bears, you know, some, some, you know, some understanding. Sympathy is when you can sympathize with some other person. You feel their emotions, um, but it's not promoting a sense of, I, I want to say, helping that other person move forward because people can easily sympathize with each other and then create a pity party. And that doesn't help anybody. Empathy, on the other hand, is understanding the other person's intent, uh, understanding the other person's thoughts and feelings and how it's being expressed, but with the understanding that you're going to support that person in helping them to move forward in some way, not just getting stuck in sympathy mode where, again, it can easily turn into a pity party. So sympathy and empathy are very different. Empathy is care, concern, it's sincere, it's an understanding, but with the intent to help move somebody forward on that, okay? So, according to a 2011 meta-analysis, empathy markers in U.S. college students dropped 40% over the previous 30 years, with the biggest downturn occurring since the turn of the millennium. So that was in 2011. Uh, a meta-analysis is research that looks at all kinds of different research findings, right? It's taking all the research findings and summarizing it together. Um, just think how much more disconnected and unempathetic we are in our current climate, right? So it's interesting to note that numerous studies suggest that this trend continues, though most of us need to look no further than our own experience, the author says. When we feel divided against people in our own family or community, indifferent or hostile towards anyone outside of our circle, or isolated and numb despite the hyperconnectedness of social media, our empathy might be eroding. And I'll tell you, social media is a blessing and a curse because it promotes just as much divisiveness and hostility as it does connectedness. Okay, I don't think that's, that, that doesn't come as a surprise to anyone, I'm sure. The author says, we may even feel skeptical of empathy's value. In our individualistic culture, we typically don't learn to view the other experiences of others especially those who seem different from us, as comparable to our own. And admitting that we're all equally vulnerable to loss and difficulty can feel both unfamiliar and unpleasant. Quote, it's much harder to allow yourself to be in a vulnerable place and be honest about the reality of your life, which is interbeing, says Laura von Dernit Lipsky, founder and director of the Trauma Stewardship Institute and author of the books Trauma Stewardship and the Age of Overwhelm. Meanwhile, many experts believe that our own individual well-being is meaningfully improved when we feel more for each other, not less. Quote, individuals who empathize with others also help themselves, attracting friends more easily, experiencing greater happiness, and suffering less depression than their less empathic peers. Empathy also supports the whole, the whole health and heart of our communities. Quote, to live harmoniously with others, we need empathy, says meditation teacher Spring Washam, author of A Fierce Heart, Finding Strength, Courage, and Wisdom in Any Moment. Many experts have explored the reasons behind the apparent decline in fellow feeling. They believe we can reclaim the gifts of empathy, even if we've lost our sense of connection or, conversely, we feel overwhelmed by it. Remember I said at the beginning of the show, um, myself and author Jill Patton are going to help you rediscover empathy and compassion in the context of a healthy set of boundaries and good, healthy self-care. Okay. You want to make sure that, you know, it's done within the context of healthy relationships so that you don't experience that compassion fatigue or that burnout or even resentment for that matter, right? Sometimes people, People can easily feel, you know, overwhelmed and that overwhelmed can give way to resentment if they feel like they're being dumped on all the time. So when we come back, we're going to be learning more about, you know, empathy and how you can create empathy as your superpower. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy harris Nuon. You or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take, we can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation, or TMS. 
TMS is a safe and effective, drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damaged tissue, restoring normal function. The procedures were easy, comfortable, and left me feeling pain-free. I can dance, run, and jump again if I want to. Three decades of pain in my back and neck injuries I suffered in active duty. The doctor has me nearly 100% pain-free now, and I never thought that was possible. Trust the thousands who got their life back. Book an appointment today. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris. New on, you're listening to today's show titled Empathy Can Be Your Superpower. Kind of excited to do the show because empathy is one of the things that connects us. It builds relationships. It builds bridges. It heals hearts. It heals lives when done in the context of healthy boundaries and healthy self-care. If you missed any of the show, you can check out a rebroadcast on this great station. Also, you can check it out on our new mindovermattersradio.com webpage. It's mindovermattersradio.com. I would invite you to share the show with friends and loved ones to promote more empathy and compassion within your circle of friendships and family relationships. I want to also invite you to join us uh, on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, uh, we've got some great content content that's being put out. Hey, I just want to send a shout out to Dr. Valerie Rippiger. She's our naturopathic physician. Her her dog Winston uh, is in. He's a top contender for America's favorite pet. So I'm really excited. So check out our Facebook page and vote for Winston. Then I want to thank all of you who have bought my best selling book, LifeWorks: An Integrative Approach to Health and Happiness. All of those proceeds, 100% of them, go to benefit nonprofit organizations. Michigan Doodle Rescue Connect, that's where we got uh, Drs. Uh, Sutton and Dr. Lucy, uh, Wounded Warriors, um, DuPage, Western DuPage Special Recreation Association. We're all about giving back to our communities. We have provided scholarships with those funds. So uh, I want to encourage you to purchase a copy of my best-selling book, LifeWorks, an integrative approach to health and happiness. You can find it on Amazon in both paperback as well as a Kindle download. And then finally, if you're looking to schedule a new appointment for a consultation, we are accepting new patients and clients. You can give us a call at 630-980-1400 or visit us online at our website and request an appointment. It's thecifhw.com. All right, let's get back to learning how to be more empathic in a very healthy way. You know, we talked before the break about this age of disconnection and author Jill Patton speaks to it as well. You know, as much as social media has done a remarkable job connecting people globally, it's done just as uh, remarkable of a job um, creating hate, hostility, division, you name it. And especially over these last few years, the rates of loneliness have increased dramatically. In fact, I was reading some research just uh, earlier this week that said the current pandemic isn't the, the, the COVID-19 virus, it's loneliness. Loneliness in this age of disconnection. So the author says humans still live in relationships in families, friend groups, schools, jobs, neighborhoods, larger communities. But how we relate to each other has changed dramatically in recent decades. For example, we once socialized primarily in person. Now we depend on digital devices for a great percentage of our connections. Communication via text, email, and snaps have displaced many in real or real life conversations along with their shared eye contact and body language. 
Those are the features that help us register the effects of words on others. You know, I just want to say I was uh, at the gym this morning working out and uh, the coach was, you know, encouraging us to post our workout summary online. And uh, that got, uh, you know, some talk among the other gym members about those who are connected on social media and those who don't really do a lot of social media. It was interesting to note that the majority of my classmates uh, in, in the workout this morning all agreed that one of the best ways to connect with people is by calling them directly. Calling and, and FaceTime. And here the authors say the same thing is that FaceTime gives us invaluable information as to what the other person is feeling, much more so than a text or a post or an email, right? Social media, meanwhile, often has, as I said, paradoxical effects of making us asocial. It's algorithm-driven news feeds reinforce biases and expose us to a seemingly endless stream of images that suggest that the world is unjust, violent, and divided. We may feel enraged routinely saying things to strangers online that we would never say in person. And let me just tell you, it's no secret that the news is notoriously skewed towards the negative and notoriously meant to sensationalize and blow everything up. You know, leaving people to believe that we do live in this violent, divided, and unjust world. And certainly there is all of that. But if we look in the true context of what's happening, and we look at the true research and meta-analysis, we live in a pretty great world. And unfortunately, bad things will always be part of our culture and they always have been a part of our history, but it's a very different place than what we see portrayed in the media. Quote, when empathy evolved, humans were enmeshed in close relationships. We had a reason to care about almost everyone we saw. Now we're isolated, stressed, and drowning in animosity. We have more reasons to avoid empathy than ever, end quote. And avoid it we do, the article says. In 2019, researcher Daryl Cameron uh, and his students at Penn State's Empathy and Moral Psychology Lab published a paper on a series of experiments in which people were given the opportunity to choose empathy or not. Study subjects were shown decks of cards featuring photos of people in distress and were given the choice to either describe the person's physical characteristics or try to imagine and express what the person may have been feeling. Participants opted against empathizing 65% of the time. That's alarming and disturbing. And that does call for some social change, right? Thank goodness to Jill Patton for writing this article on ways we can rediscover empathy because now we need it more than ever. The article goes on to say, quote, we found that empathy for strangers was difficult, says Dr. Cameron. It was cognitively effortful and aversive, and to the degree people felt that way, they avoided empathy more. We might also find ourselves avoiding empathy because we're too good at feeling the feelings of others. This is what I talk about as compassion fatigue. When we merge with the emotions of others, losing the distinction between our experience and theirs Empathy can lead to empathetic distress, and as I said, it can lead to overwhelm, and it can actually lead to resentment, hence the need for healthy boundaries. The sense of being overwhelmed impedes our capacity to help, and it frequently leads to burning out or checking out as a way to protect ourselves. As I was saying, empathy is best served in the context of good self-care and healthy boundaries. Uh, so, so. Uh, you know, it's important now to start building our empathy muscle. And, and, you know, the first way to do that is to embrace empathy as your birthright, the author says. Empathy is one of our first survival skills. Even as infants, we regulate our emotional state by taking cues from the facial expressions and vocal tones of our caregivers. Genetics influence how naturally empathic we are, but research shows that our capacity is not fixed. In fact, one 2016 study uh, found that empathy is influenced by the company we keep. Well, that makes sense, right? Because of environmental influences. Participants who perceived that their peers felt high empathy for people suffering in an emotional scenario reported higher feelings of empathy themselves. And in another study with mindset researcher Carol Dweck, PhD, and his colleagues, they discovered that participants who learned that empathy is an, an acquirable skill were more likely to empathize with those who were 
different from them racially or politically than participants who were primed to believe that empathy is a fixed trait. So if you'd like to increase your own empathy, spend some time with your more empathetic friends. If you're surrounded by folks who tend to put up walls, seek out new connections and experiences that fuel your fellow feeling of empathy. Talk to strangers, volunteer your support for people who need it. You know, attend a house of worship that's different from yours, but put yourself in different situations that are likely to increase your sense of healthy empathy because empathy is our birthright. And and I know, you know, uh, you've seen this across species too. You know, the great Netflix series, Animal, uh, Odd Couples. We see it in our reels all the time, the animals, you know, the dogs and the babies and you know, so empathy is, is, is our birthright and it's inherent in, in, in species, but we have to choose it and realize it's a skill we can develop. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to be talking about your second empathy muscle and how to build that. Do you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take? we can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer Transcranial Magnetic Stimulation, or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective, drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood, with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400 or visit us online at thecifhw.com. Hi everyone, welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Snuon. If you're someone that feels burned out by compassion fatigue, you're definitely not alone. On this show, empathy can be your superpower. I'm sharing with you ways to build your empathy skills and muscles because it is a skill that can be acquired. But if you've missed any of the show, you're in luck. You can check out a replay on this great station. You can check it out on our new mindovermattersradio.com website. You can find it on our home website, thecifhw.com. And uh, I'm going to invite you to share it as well. You can also find a replay on our Facebook page. Want to make it you know, really, really uh, readily available for you to share. And with that, I'm going to ask that you like us and follow us on our social media pages, our Facebook page, our Instagram page for sure. want to invite you to pick up a copy of my best-selling book, LifeWorks, An Integrative Approach to Health and Healing. I'm really excited uh, to be in a position, you know, to be able to donate those proceeds to nonprofits. And that is not possible without the support of all of you. So thank you to all of you who have bought my book. Uh, if you haven't, I'm going to ask that you pick up a copy at Amazon. Again, LifeWorks, an integrative approach to health and happiness. All of those proceeds, 100%, go to nonprofit organizations. And to that end, if you've got a nonprofit you would like me to consider supporting, please send me an email. You can email directly at health and wellness, all spelled out health and wellness at the CIFHW.com. And then if you'd like to schedule a consultation for a, a new patient, uh, you know, a consult or exam, call us 630-980-1400. So let's get back to building our empathy muscles. Boy, this excites me because the more you learn about healthy empathy in the context of good self-care and good boundaries, the easier it's going to be for you to extend that to your family, your friends, you know, people who aren't your friends yet that could potentially become your friends, all because you're learning how to uh, grow that empathy muscle. So with author Jill Patton, she talks about eight ways to build your empathy skills. On the last segment, we talked about embracing empathy as your birthright and how you can acquire it as a skill. And one of the best ways to do that, hang around people and befriend people who are appropriately empathic. Next, 
practice seeing yourself through someone else's eyes, right? Walk a mile in another's shoes, put yourself in their position, right? Books, films, and other art forms offer an easy, low-to-no-stakes chance to practice empathizing with someone whose life experiences might be totally unfamiliar. Interesting, right? Quote, there's a growing body of evidence confirming that literature, photography, film, and other art forms do indeed have the ability to take us on imaginative journeys into the lives that are profoundly unlike our own and to also inspire empathic acts on behalf of others once we've put down the novel or left the cinema, explains empathy researcher Dr. Roman Karzanak. Studies suggest that reading literary fiction in particular with its emphasis on character development, may measurably increase empathic skills. That includes books such as the Harry Potter series. One 2014 study, for example, found that elementary and high school students in the UK and Italy actually became more empathic towards refugees, immigrants, and LGBTQ plus people after reading those books in which themes of unjust discrimination figure prominently. So an easy way to build your empathy muscle Start reading some things that help you to understand different characters. Watch movies that are, you know, culturally different than your own or racially different than your own or have a different storyline than you're used to because you really can get good at practicing seeing through someone else's eyes. That's a second way you can build your empathy muscle. Then be open to making new friends, right? As I said in an earlier segment, start surrounding yourself with people that are really good at being appropriately empathic. The author says during the 2016 election season, which was marked by anti-immigrant rhetoric and threats of a Muslim immigration ban, Saadi Qureshi, who is Muslim, began to feel like an outsider in the Florida community where she'd lived most of her life. A chance encounter with an empathic Christian woman or a health club led to a potluck gathering of women from the New Friends Church in Qureshi's mosque with the specific intent of increasing empathy across groups through conversation and community. How beautiful is that? That's awesome. Qureshi's guests connected over shared concerns about local issues and code red drills at their children's schools. They swapped recipes and lingered long after the official end of the gathering. And they have met monthly ever since sharing their lives with a level of understanding that would have been impossible without the intentionality of that first gathering. Qureshi has since turned her passion for building bridges into a full-time job. She now coordinates community gatherings through an international relief and peacemaking organization. Quote, we develop empathy by listening to each other, doing life together, and sharing each other's stories. Even if we never truly get someone, that's fine, she says. We think we need to understand every facet of everything, but we don't, she adds. We just have to be compassionate when we show up. We may not understand, and that's okay. And I will tell you, I, uh, that couldn't be more true. When people do life together and they make a deliberate intention to focus on their commonalities, it really helps to build those bridges. So my hat's off. Number three, great way to build your empathy muscle, make new friends, baby. Boom! All right, number four. Make time for real-life conversations. I have to tell you, this is one of the most beautiful things of joining a gym where it's focused on community. For years, you know, I went to Lifetime Fitness, which is a great, great facility. Highly recommend it. You can do everything there. But there was still this great sense of disconnection. And now I've joined a gym where the focus is on not only working out, but building community. And I've made it a point to make time for real-life conversations and to make new friends. And guess what? Not only has that helped me build my own empathy muscles, but it's created a, a greater connection to my, my community, the community that's right in my backyard. I mean, it was good before. Now, I feel a great sense of gratitude, all because, one, I chose to make new friends, and two, I'm choosing to make time for real-life conversations with the people that I work out with every day, okay? So, the author says, while the convenience of texting and social media has allowed us to stay connected to the others more frequently, there's just no real substitute for face-to-face -face conversation. Its abundant social cues help us develop and maintain our empathic skills. And without conversation, studies show that we're less empathic, less connected, less creative, and less fulfilled. Okay? 
Um, it's interesting, Dr. Sherry Turkle, the author of Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age, uh, says, you know, that she's lamented for the negative effects of social media and digital culture on empathy in many of her publications. She believes that we can reclaim our empathic abilities through in-person conversation. Quote, we're resilient. Face-to-face -face conversation leads to greater self-esteem and an improved ability to deal with others. That couldn't be more true. You know what? I talked at the opening segment that the pandemic now is loneliness and research is confirming that study after study. Well, guess what? If you make a deliberate choice to make time for real life conversations, not only does that enhance your life, it enhances the life of the other person or people. And guess what? It enhances your immune system as well. So to say it's good for building relationships and building your empathy skills is one thing, but it's literally good for your health to make time for real time conversations. So if you've been avoiding people or avoiding getting out and connecting with others in real life, I'm going to invite you to rethink that because that's one of the best things you can do for your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, even your financial health, because, hey, you never know. That real-life conversation may put you in a position of not only making new friends and making new connections, you know, um, but opportunities to a different job, maybe connecting you with somebody that can coach you or mentor you. So make time for real conversations. When we come back, we're going to be talking about more ways to build your empathy muscle, to build that empathy mindset. Um, and if you've got questions, again, you can always send me an email. That email address is health and wellness, all spelled out, health and wellness at the CIFHW.com. We'll be right back. A complete solution for your joint pain is here and without surgery. The Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness's clinically proven treatments repair and regenerate damage, restoring normal function, even walk out the same day. It's the only treatment center in Illinois offering a one-year guarantee for this procedure. Trust the thousands of patients who got their life back. Call us today or visit thecifhw.com. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Empathy can be your superpower. Glad you tuned in. If you missed any of the show, you can check out a rebroadcast on this great station. You can check it out on the mindovermattersradio.com website. And you can check it out on our home website, thecifhw.com, along with our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the CIFHW. So getting back to the show, Empathy Can Be Your Superpower, author Jill Patton did a great job helping us understand the need for reconnecting and building empathy in the context of good self-care and healthy boundaries. So I'm definitely going to invite you to check out a replay if you missed any of the first uh, segments. Um, but she's talking about eight ways to build your empathy skills. We talked about, number one, embrace empathy as your birthright and surround yourself with people that have really great empathy skills. Next, practicing yourself through someone else's eyes, right? Take a minute to walk in somebody else's shoes. And then three, be open to making new friends because when you focus on what you have in common instead of how you're different, guess what builds? You know, your empathy muscles. And then four, make time for real conversations. Not only is it good for building your empathy muscle, but it's good for building friendships, repairing past relationships. It's good for your mental health, your physical health, your financial health, all of it. Next, attend to your own suffering. Do you remember I said build your empathy muscle within the context of good self-care? Well, the author talks about attending to your own suffering. She says we may find ourselves tuning out the pain of others because we feel overwhelmed by it. Especially for those working on the front lines of suffering, numbness can be a sign of empathic distress and burnout. Quote, unless you're completely disconnected, you can't be exposed to the suffering of humans, other living beings, and the planet and not have that impact on your nervous system, says uh, Van Dernet Limsky, one of the doctors I quoted earlier. She says, if you feel overwhelmed and numbed out, she recommends creating systems that will help your nervous system metabolize difficult experiences and emotions so they don't accumulate. She suggests avoiding excessive exposure to news and social media 
and recommends regularly checking in with your body and breath so you can stay present. I'm just going to say there, one of the things I encourage our clients and patients to do all the time, go on a low information diet. I know there are some objective news outlets out there, but they are few and far between. So go on a low information diet because it's one of the best ways to attend to your own self care, especially if you're feeling stressed or burned out. Okay. Uh, the author, author, Dr. Lipsky also says she recommends regular exercise that boosts your heart rate to help flush your nervous system. I know that sounds funny, but this is true. Some of you may have heard this expression before, but we store our issues in our tissues and stress builds up. So you need to find an outlet. Okay. And exercise is one of the best ways to flush that out. It's one of the reasons I work out, you know, uh, as often as I do, uh, because you know what? I need to be able to take care of myself so we can take care of our clients and patients. Okay. Quote, we can be compassionate and empathetic, but we don't have to co-opt other people's experiences and we don't have to absorb them. Right. That's this difference between sympathy and empathy. Right. Um, next, aim for compassion, the author says. Many wisdom traditions teach the importance of transforming empathy into compassion. And compassion, which involves feeling for another, not as them, but for them, can also be an antidote to the risk of empathetic distress and burnout. That's because compassion is inherently energizing. You know, I just had the thought of uh, Mother Teresa. How much compassion did she have? her entire lifetime, and she was energized by it, right? It's compassion, okay? It can be energizing. Neurologically, empathy activates the part of our brain that processes emotions, whereas compassion activates the area of the brain associated with reward and motivation. Interesting, okay? Quote, when you combine empathy with compassion, then there's a sense of care, explains Kristen Neff, PhD, a self-compassion researcher at the University of Texas at Austin. Those feelings help resource us rather than drain us, okay, compassion. What's more, because we remain motivated, compassion makes it more likely we'll act on behalf of others. Empathy is the road to compassion. It moves us into action. And good personal boundaries are the key here, the author says. When we merge with another's pain, we click quickly wear ourselves out. Remember, that's that sympathy. Um, but when we hold on to ourselves in the presence of another's challenges, maintaining our difference and our connection at the same time, then we can display true compassion. That's empathy and compassion. Hey, I understand this is a rough time. How can we help move you through it? Right. So next you want to let go of fixing. Okay. Uh, and this can be tough for a lot of people in the health helping profession as well, you know, as well as for a lot of parents, right? Because nobody likes to see our kids suffer. But it's really important to let go of trying to fix somebody because one, it's not your business. Two, it's not your job. And three, it'll never work. You've probably heard me say on other shows, uh, uh, you can't teach a pig to sing. It'll never work and you'll just annoy the pig. That's, you know, uh, a metaphor for, you know, trying to fix somebody else. So the seventh way to build your empathy muscle is to let go of fixing. Extending empathy and practicing compassion doesn't mean we can fix all the suffering we face. What's more, fixing can quickly damage a relationship. Quote, when our ego takes over and we try to become the savior, then we're not honoring the people we're trying to understand, explains Qureshi. When you're in the savior mode, then there's not a connection, end quote. The impulse to fix is often about our own need for control rather than the needs of the person we're ostensibly helping. So check to see if you're trying to micromanage a situation and make yourself feel more comfortable. If so, find a healthy way to soothe yourself before moving ahead. Quote, this can be hard for parents or healthcare workers, says Dr. Neff. You think you should be able to fix the other person's problems, but you can't. You can try your best, but you can't control things. That's where self-compassion and equanimity come in, end quote. And I'm just going to say as a therapist, our job isn't to fix the other person, understand the other person, and help them to see where, you know, their strengths lie 
and then to help them determine a plan of action and then to encourage them to put that plan of action in place so that they can not only be resilient, but now you've helped them develop a skill set that they can use the rest of their lives. Okay. The author goes on to say, Some, sometimes the most empathetic, compassionate act is to listen more than talk and to simply sit in uncertainty with another person. Quote, don't underestimate the power of a nurse who's actually present or a school teacher who's actually present, says Dr. V uh, Lipsky. Showing up with a quality of presence can mean everything in a painful situation, even when you can't change the outcome. Okay. So, you know, it's important to give yourself permission then to let go of fixing. And I know this is tough for healthcare providers. And boy, I know it's tough for parents as well, because what do we want to do? We want to get in there and fix. But you're never going to uh, teach somebody how to fish for themselves if you're always doing the fishing for them. And guess what? They're going to resent you for it. And it never works. So let go of fixing. If you feel a need to fix, focus on yourself and, and, and try to understand that need for control and try to, you know, fix that. Okay. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about one of the best ways to build your empathy muscle. Um, one that was especially challenging for me, not going to lie. You, I'm always going to keep it real, but you know, uh, we're going to be talking about what that, that, that number eight strategy is to build uh, your empathy muscle. And then we're going to be talking about ways that you can teach empathy to children because boy, we need that more than ever as well. So stick around. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Nuon. We will be right back. Do you or a loved one suffer from depression and medications just aren't working or the debilitating side effects associated with most antidepressants make them impossible to take? We can help. At the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS. TMS is a safe and effective drug-free treatment option that can dramatically improve your quality of life. In fact, the majority of our clients experience a significant improvement in mood with many achieving complete remission. TMS uses MRI technology to gently stimulate areas of the brain that are underactive in people suffering from depression. TMS is FDA approved for the treatment of depression and has also been shown to be effective in treating other mood disorders like OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. TMS therapy is covered by most insurance companies, including Medicare. If medications aren't working for you now, chances are they never will. Let us help. Call the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness at 630-980-1400 for an immediate consultation. That's 630-980-1400. Or visit us online at thecifhw.com. Everyone, welcome back to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris Nuon. As you know, I'm a double board certified integrative and interventional clinical psychologist with a postgraduate specialization in functional medicine. I'm also a certified wellness instructor, best-selling author and speaker, and the director for the Center for Integrative and Functional Health and Wellness. Thank you for tuning in to today's show, Empathy Can Be Your Superpower. Because hey, if you're someone that feels burned out by compassion fatigue, that's understandable. In this show, we're talking about the difference between sympathy and empathy and how you can build your empathy muscles. And that's good news because not only will it allow you to build better relationships, but guess what? It's going to help you build a better relationship with yourself too. So if you missed any of the show, you can check out a rebroadcast on this great station. Or you can check it out online at the mindovermattersradio.com website. We're starting to you know, post old archive shows as well as uh, every weekly current show. You can also check us out on our social media. That's our Facebook, our Instagram. We are posting replays of the show on our Facebook page as well as our home website. And that website is thecifhw.com. Hey, if you're someone dealing with compassion fatigue or burnout, or you're struggling with, you know, your ability to let go of trying to fix someone else. Uh, if you're dealing with a health issue or, a, you know, emotional behavioral health issue, give us a call. We are accepting new clients and patients. You can call us directly 
at 630-980-1400. Again, 630-980-1400. We are accepting new clients uh, in person for video visits as well as telehealth, and we see clients locally, nationally, as well as internationally. And then finally, I'm going to invite you to pick up a copy of my best-selling book, LifeWorks, An Integrative Approach to Health and Happiness. All of those proceeds, 100%, all go to benefit nonprofit organizations. And I'm interested if there's a nonprofit organization you'd like me to consider uh, supporting, I'm happy to do that. Send me an email directly. That email address is health and wellness, all spelled out health and wellness at the CIFHW.com. Hey, I want to thank author Jill Patton for the great work she's done in helping us understand how to build our empathy muscles. Because now more than ever, we need to focus on building these muscles. So she's hooked up, you know, hooked us up with eight great strategies. The first strategy to build your empathy muscle is to understand that empathy is your birthright. We're born with, you know, some empathy uh, genetically, and thank goodness because it helps us care for our young, right? Even uh, across different species, we've seen, you know, chimpanzees caring for, you know, other species and vice versa, uh, you know, so embrace empathy as your birthright. But know that surrounding yourself with people that are appropriately empathic helps build that muscle too, because most of it, learned behavior. Secondly, Practice seeing through someone else's eyes, right? Walk a mile in their shoes. That's going to put you in a position to really understand how to do that. And some easy ways to do that, be open to, you know, listening to some books on Audible or reading some literature, watching movies and shows that you wouldn't normally watch, right? Just to understand better people, different people, different cultures, what their experiences are. That's one of the easiest ways. Doesn't cost you anything but a decision and a little bit of time to practice seeing yourself through someone else's eyes. And then be open to make new friends, right? Focus on what you have in common rather than what the differences are, because that's going to help you build your empathy muscle as well. Number four, make time for real-life conversations. You heard me talking about, you know, an experience I had in the gym this morning where, you know, all of us agreed that we'd rather connect with people in real life, that whether that was making a phone call or getting together for breakfast or a coffee or whatever, you need to make time for real-life conversations because not only is it going to help you build your empathy muscle, but it's going to help you build your sense of, of, of self-awareness, uh, self-respect, and it's really good for your immune system, and it will help decrease depression and anxiety as well. So make time for real conversations. Then attend to your own suffering, okay? If you've got some stuff going on, attend to that, because you can't give your best if you're not at your best. And it, hey, if we can help you be at your best, give us a call, 630-980-1400. So you need to take care of yourself, right? Empathy is best shared in the context of healthy boundaries and good self-care. And then aim for compassion because research shows empathy when it's done in the context of good boundaries and good self-care leads to compassion and compassion inherently and physiologically is energizing. And then for those of you who feel like you need to fix things, let go of fixing. Okay, let go of fixing. The eighth way we can build our empathy muscle, accept vulnerability. Remember I said this number eight way was hard for me. I hated feeling vulnerable. I hated allowing myself to cry. You know, I, I, I saw myself as someone that always had to be strong for myself and strong for other people, right? But when I learned to accept my vulnerability, boy, there was a freedom and a sweetness that came with that. And I, I'm going to tell you, it strengthened my relationships, made me much more relatable, uh, much more human. I felt proud of myself, but, but guess what? The author says it's a great way to build your empathy as well. She says, seeing ourselves in another's plight can be challenging. It means recognizing that their struggle could just as easily be ours. Most of us habitually seek out ways to distance ourselves from others without even knowing we're doing it. Quote, when we hear of something sad or awful happening, our brain may go to a place of, how am I different from that person? We think, oh, it was a drunk driving accident. I don't do that, for example. Well, one way to get around this is to learn to notice our resistance. Then we might choose to dip a toe into the experience of empathy. We could think instead, hey, 
I've found myself in an unsafe situation before. I'm fortunate to have come through unharmed or just like me, that person wants to be safe and respected as well. And there's always a simple act of silently wishing someone well. So accept that what happens to other people may happen to you instead of avoiding it or denying it or being out of touch with reality, right? Sometimes they call that toxic positivity or avoidance and denial. But get in touch with the fact that, you know, what happens to other people can happen to you. And then send them a silent blessing, okay? So accept your vulnerability. It's one of the best ways to free yourself to connect with others and to build empathy. And then finally, the author teaches us about how to teach children to be empathic. For all the challenges adults have with exercising empathy, children growing up in a largely digital world now have fewer opportunities to practice empathy in face-to-face interactions, which would help them learn through trial and error. Quote, kids aren't seeing and learning how to read facial expressions and cues in the same way, explains clinical psychologist, Dr. Christopher Willard. He recommends parents and teachers look for everyday opportunities to teach empathy rather than waiting for an obvious teachable moment. Quote, it's not just saying after a kid hits Billy, how do you think that made Billy feel? But there are some strategies that can help instill empathy from early on. Number one, read aloud to children and point to pictures of characters' faces. Ask little ones, how do you think that person feels? As a kid gets a bit older, ask, why might this person have acted this way? Then play games, simple games like 20 questions, I spy, charade type games, teach empathy and emotional intelligence. They make kids think, what could dad be thinking about? He usually picks an animal, says Willard. Or they look at when you're looking to see what you might spy, getting a sense of your actual perspective in that moment. So play games. And then model empathy. Dr. Willard recalls a recent New Year's Eve when his young family used Monopoly money to help the kids understand and participate in decisions about where to donate money to support causes they cared about. How cool is that? And then finally, ask older kids to write first-person stories from another person's perspective. Reading narratives of people who have experiences that are different from ours also goes a long way towards sparking empathy. And this is a skill adults can practice too. So the, the, the four, you know, four good ways to teach empathy to children, read aloud, ask them to identify facial expressions and ask them, hey, what might this character be thinking? Second, play games such as 20 questions, right? Uh, that helps them understand social cues. Then model empathy, because if you really want to teach somebody to be empathic, you need to be able to model it yourself, right? And then ask older kids to write first-person stories from another perspective. So I hope this show has been a blessing to you. Uh, I'm going to ask that you share the show with people that you know, love, and care about, right? Because that's an expression of, of understanding and, and generosity, and they themselves may struggle with empathy, or they may know somebody that struggles with empathy and pass the show on. So I want to thank again, author Jill Patton for her great work on helping us to build our empathy muscles. I want to thank all of you for your understanding and support. You're listening to Mind Over Matters. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Harris-Newland.